The Zevolve podcast is a casual conversation that occasionally delves into mature subjects and may contain vulgar adult language. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to the Z-Ball Podcast and our first NBA podcast since opening night. And uh, joining me for this one, live from Pasadena, California, diehard Boston Celtics fan, Akshay. What up, Akshay? How's it going? What's up, bro? I thank you for having me, you know, on your first NBA podcast of the year. It's, uh, I'm very uh, grateful to be here. Uh, let's, uh, let's get it going, bro. So a lot of stuff to get into, uh, obviously with it being the first NBA podcast, I mean, a lot of stuff just happened with the trade deadline, mainly with one team out in the Eastern Conference, Cleveland, and we'll start with that, I guess. So what was your whole takeaway from uh, all the the moves that the Cavs made at the trade deadline that pretty much traded away half of their team and brought in four new four new young guys? What did you think... Uh, about the whole, their hall. I have to say, if I have to say one word for this, I have to say wow. You know, I mean, they, their GM, I, I don't recall his name, but he did an excellent job. You know, I mean, he took away, he gave away Isaiah Thomas, Channing Frye to pick up uh, Jordan Clarkson. You know, that's um, um, Jordan Clarkson, Isaiah Thomas. You know, I mean, I, I'm sorry, he sent Isaiah Thomas out to pick up Jordan Clarkson. Um, and um, Larry Nance, that was a great move, you know, and then uh, also picking up uh, um, um, Hood from Utah, that was another great move, you know, I mean, you now uh, you now took some, some aging guys out and you brought in young guys who were probably in their primes, they were about 25, 26, were in their primes, and these guys can now, now they have a, a deep bench, you know, and and most, uh, I guess the most important thing of all, all LeBron's happy. You know, I, I think this move was done to sort of uh, appease LeBron because I think he was in the mood where, you know what, uh, Cavs aren't doing anything, you know, um, uh, they're not helping me or whatnot or whatever is going through his mind, I guess, you know. But now I think that, I think it was a great move for the Cavs, you know. I mean, now they have multiple scorers. They don't have to uh, rely on LeBron. He could just facilitate the ball, you know. But they have guys who can score their own shot. Who can score their own shot, you know? It, they don't depend on other players to like uh, create them shots. So I, I think it's a win-win situation there, you know. Yeah, I mean, when I first saw all these bunch of trades that happening, it kind of reminded me uh, of LeBron's first year back in Cleveland, 2014-2015. and kind of that year they had a little hiccups in the beginning first 30 40 games uh i mean Kyrie was getting criticized because he wasn't much of a passer uh kevin love was uh getting sh- shots taken uh or lebron was taking shots at kevin love passive aggressively on twitter uh they weren't really getting along lebron was slumping and then according to inside report a guy who has covered lebron for pretty much his entire career going back to high school a guy I like to refer to as Zoo Horse because he reminds me of my friend, Brian Windhorst. He's uh, covered LeBron since high school. And he, he was kind of d- explaining that season how LeBron was just slumping. His body language was terrible. His attitude was really bad. And basically when they made those moves and kind of in the middle of the season before the trade deadline in January, uh, they picked up. Iman Shumpert and J.R. Smith, and they traded out Dion Waiters, and they also traded uh, for Timof- Timofey Mozgov, uh, two first-round picks for Timofey Mozgov that time. So basically, Zuhorst explained uh, at that time they were on a road trip in Golden State. They lost a few games. LeBron- they had just played Golden State, and they had just lost a game to Golden State that, that season. And then later that night, LeBron sees Timofey Mozgov for the first time 
And LeBron is just amazed at how big he is. I mean, LeBron is just slumped over, but he sees Timofey Mozgov and he gets super excited just because of how big Timofey Mozgov is. Timofey Mozgov, as we know, is a very mediocre average player, but like it all has to do with kind of like the mental psyche of LeBron at the end of the day, right? I mean, because it kind of just, I mean, even, even though they didn't pick up that great of players and this, the trade that they, all the trades that just pulled off, it kind of changes the psyche. I mean, they get a little younger and then they kind of feel rejuvenated. So, and then all the kind of the bad chemistry goes out with Isaiah Thomas and all the other guys, all the age, as you said, goes out and then they kind of get rejuvenated and they, no, that's true. That's true. But I have to say, dude, I mean, last couple of games, they've been playing like they've had chemistry for the last 10 games, you know? It didn't seem to me that they will act. I mean, I think once uh, Kevin Love comes back, you know, then you're going to have some issues where who gets the ball, what plays you're going to do. There might be some uh, some chemistry issues there, but, I mean, as of right now, I think they're, I mean, from what I've seen, you know, off a limited amount of games, um, I think they're playing really well together. Yeah, I mean, two games. I mean, this is the, kind of the honeymoon phase of the trade, you know. I mean, everything's lovey-dovey, you know. And everything's going well, but you don't really get to see how this team's going to be until they hit that kind of rough patch. I mean, you know, when you kind of start living with someone and you kind of see their every day-to-day habits, then you kind of uh, see how things are really going to go, you know. so. I mean, no, no. Uh, uh, that is true. This very well could be the Honeywell period. I mean, uh, the honeymoon period, you know. Um, so... Who's to say, though? I mean, you're, you're right. It could suddenly change. But I think what they did, one of the best moves, I think, out of all this, was not even very, um, I think, one of the most impactful moves for the Clevelands. And, I mean, being a Boston Celtics fan, they're, uh, they're definitely one of um, the main rivals of the Celtics. But, you know, I have to give them props for this move. Is it's um, shipping Dwayne Wade out, you know, and sending him back to Miami uh, for, I think it was a second-round pick or, or two second-round picks or something like that. But I think that was a good move because I know um, uh, I, uh, I read somewhere, I think it was on Hoops Rumors or somewhere today, that the person who actually came out and was uh, making comments on Kevin Love when he was taking, taking it easy, when he was sick and... And then after that, it became Isaiah. After that, um, after this person, the person was Dwayne Wade. He's the one making up these um, these false rumors, you know. So in a sense, I think he's the one that led to all this, this bad chemistry within 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 Cleveland. All this bad blood, you know, so to speak. But then now he's out, and then Isaiah Thomas is out, you know. So it's sort of like. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I think it's, um, yes, these players aren't like um, your, your like, superstar players, but you know, but they definitely give uh, Cleveland a better bench, you know, and I think that's it. They give them bench scoring where I think these guys can easily put up 20, 30 points a game on the bench, and I think that will definitely help out LeBron and company, you know? Okay, yeah, fair. Going to Dwayne Wade, yeah, aging superstar, just turned 36. Uh, so I think they basically, with the additions of the young guys, they proposed to him, basically, do you want to accept a limited role with us and stay the rest of the season? Or should do you want us to trade you back to Miami? And Dwayne Wade chose Miami. As far as uh, him being a problem in the locker room, I kind of read reports of that. And then I also kind of heard something on the other side from someone who works uh, inside in the Cavs organization, uh, she was saying that uh, Dwayne Wade uh, basically had no issues. I mean, was a part of no issues uh, for Cleveland this season. So, I mean, you don't know who to believe in this situation. But uh, from a number standpoint, you saw that the defense was a lot worse once uh, Isaiah Thomas started playing. And Isaiah Thomas just did not look the same as he did last year when he was, I think, fifth or sixth in the MVP race. So we, I, we don't know who to – I mean, who – who's the cause of the chemistry issues, but it seems like they're out if they're gone now. And it seems like the main thing for Cleveland is when LeBron is engaged and he's, uh, his attitude is upbeat. The rest of the team, uh, seems to follow suit. Exactly. Exactly. You know, I mean, uh, 
That is true. I mean, defensive-wise, uh, Isaiah Thomas, yes, yes, he was. He's not a great defensive player. You know, he's what five nine. Uh, so I mean, five nine, if five nine, maybe like five. On a good and day, half, on a good maybe. day, he's five nine. Probably five. Okay, well, let's give him five nine. But it's. I mean, I have to say, even with the Celtics, for the uh, he wasn't that great a uh, defensive player, but the Celtics had a great defense. They had the number one defense, so they sort of hit his. Uh, they hit his. Uh, um, they hit his uh, his lack uh, of playing defense, you know. And I think it also goes to show. I mean, uh, now he's on the Lakers. Last couple of games, Lakers lost. You know, uh, and they've been losing because um, Isaiah Thomas. Uh, I hate to put it this way, but um, his defense was not that great as well. I mean, granted, it's only first couple of games with the Lakers, but it wasn't that great then. I, I think um, um, in one of those games, his defense cost them the game. Yeah, I mean, Lakers aren't that good defensively, uh, but I mean, uh, Isaiah Thomas definitely does make them worse in that that aspect. But uh, kind of getting into some other Cavs stuff. Uh, so moving forward, uh, now with LeBron engaged, their new young core are they now again the favorites in the East, or have they always been the favorites? Well, you know, I don't, I can't say if they're the favorites just yet because there's still time has to tell. You know, but as the way it's going right now, they're definitely up there. You know, I mean, will they um, be able to catch uh, the Celtics or who are, I think, about, what, six games ahead of them or, or maybe five and a half? Um, I don't recall the exact amount. And Or will they be able to even catch the Raptors? I think right now the Raptors are the hot team in the East. You know, the Celtics have sort of taken um, – I think they lost the last three. I mean, granted, the Celtics are in like a sort of uh, stage right now where they need to find themselves again. You know, I think there's a lot of stuff going on. I mean, there's a lot of injuries happening. But, I mean, um, going back to uh, with the Cavs, uh, potentially taking the East area, I mean, their chances have improved. Whether they take it, I don't know if that's going to happen just yet. I mean, only time will tell. We have to see what happens with the chemistry issues uh, once Kevin Love come back. Uh, then he comes back on the minutes and uh, how they uh, how they can mesh with that. So I think time will tell. Okay, definitely. So in re- in regards to LeBron, I mean, we know he's a free agent this summer. Oh, we hear all this rumors about L.A., Houston, possibly staying in Cleveland. Uh, what why do we hear all these rumors? I mean, basically, when going back to twenty ten, I mean. Basically, the team he went to, Miami, in 2010, didn't emerge as a real legitimate threat to sign him until about, like, two days before he actually made the decision. So why, why do we keep hearing all this stuff? I mean, I think we need to pump the brakes on this stuff with LeBron. I mean, there's, there's only two people that probably know where LeBron is going. One of them knows for sure, and the other one has a good idea. One of them's LeBron, the other one's God. So can we just pump the brakes on this? Well, the, well, you know what? I'll, honestly, bro, I like to see the end of it. You know, I like to make him. A, uh, I want him to make a, um, an effing decision and get this over with because I do not want to see uh, another LeBron special, uh, signing special again on our course um, ESPN. I think uh, the sports world um, really has nothing else to, to talk about nowadays. You know, and it, you know the, how the sports world works. Um, and it, one rumor flies, and then out of that one rumor becomes 100 rumors, you know, and then uh, they just talk, they just keep on talking about the same old crap again and again and again, you know, because that's sports and they like to hear room. They like true um, uh, players, or I mean, not players, fans get interested off these rumors and they start listening to listening and make one thing out of, out of another. You know, I think with LeBron, you know, um, I think this whole thing about uh, his, I think he's definitely going to look at at other teams this season, because LeBron, knowing that guy, I mean, granted he's he's a great player, but that guy is, uh, yeah, I mean, he's cementing himself as a player that um, that cannot win the title by himself. He has to jump from ship to ship to win title, you know, and and that's going to be part of uh, his legacy if he does move on from Cleveland. You know, he we already saw him do it when he was in Cleveland, then he moved to Miami, won titles, and then came back to Cleveland, won a title. You know, if he ends up going to uh, uh, Houston, if he ends up going to uh, 
Miami, I, who knows, if he ends up going to uh, the Lakers, if he ends up going to Golden State, you know, I mean, and, and with the championship, that's going to be uh, another sort of hit on his legacy, in my opinion, you know, I mean, because there's so many players that have won titles uh, spending their entire career on one team. You know, I mean, if you go back, look at this, so many great players. Look at uh, um, Bill Russell. Look at Wilk Chamberlain. Look at uh, Paul Pierce. Look at Kobe. You know, look at Jordan. You know, they won they won titles on one. Paul Pierce team played for only. like four teams, didn't he? But he, I mean, but but he he wasn't. Um, he played two teams on on the um, on the um, on the Brooklyn Nets. But the way I see it, he was in. He never asked for that trade. And the he Clippers and the Wizards too, right? You know. Will Chamberlain played for two teams too, didn't he? Ah, uh, did he? I don't recall. I don't remember. But I, I know Bill Russell played for one team, and that's the Celtics. Yeah, I mean, with this I LeBron know. stuff, I mean, no one has a fucking clue where he's going. And what, once we get to the summer, we'll figure it out then. And then let's just focus on. I don't think. Uh, correct. Let's just focus on what the season has to hold and what the, what the rest of the season holds and what the playoff races will bring and the playoffs. I mean. All right. Sounds good. Sounds good. Let's pump the fucking brakes on LeBron and once July, late June, July hits, then we'll get back into that subject. There we go. There we go. Sounds good. Okay. So in. Re- in reference to the three teams we mentioned, Toronto, Boston, Cleveland. Other than that, I mean, anyone else have a shot in the East? Washington, possibly, with John Wall coming back, or no? I don't think so. I think Washington is, uh, I think they are, I mean, they have a shot, but in a seven-game series, I don't think so. Maybe one or two-game series, yeah, but not a seven-game series. I think John Wall gets to come back. That's a big hit, bro. You know I mean? He has to come back. He has to be healthy. How long will it take for him to come back? Will he, uh, he, he get back into rhythm right away? There's all big ifs there, you know. But I think uh, besides those three teams, I don't, I don't see anybody else coming from the East. Okay, yeah, I mean, those are definitely the top three teams. And I think we see a rematch again, in my opinion, of the conference finals from last year, Boston-Cleveland. I think that's what it's going to be this season. Uh I could be wrong. Toronto could get in there, but I, I, I definitely see Cleveland coming back to the, uh, going back to the finals. LeBron's fully engaged, usually come playoff time, and I think that will be the same case uh, in the 2018 playoffs. So with that, I mean, so with that being said, uh, any other kind of trades besides the Cavalier ones that kind of uh, piqued your interest? I mean, there wasn't much really activity outside of that. I mean, uh, any other trades that you can think of that kind of made an impact on the season? Uh, that's pretty much it, bro. I mean, that's, uh, I don't see anything else that made really big, significant changes with, with the trade deadline, you know? I mean, there were some pickups, uh, there were some pickups like um, uh, players who were who were waived, you know, and um, contracts about odd. There were some, um, there were some pickups there, like, uh, let's say, for example, Houston picked up Joe Johnson. You know, I mean, who was, uh, I think he was waived or his contract was bought out with the Jazz. You know, I, I think that's uh, that's a great pickup for them. You know, I mean, if you look at it this way, I mean, um, besides uh, Houston... Yeah, uh, Joe Johnson I, is actually part of one of the Cavs trades, the three-team one. It was uh, that that got the Cavs George Hill and uh, Rodney Hood. He he went from correct, correct. Utah to Char- uh, Sacramento. Sacramento subsequently waived him and Houston... Uh, claimed him off waivers then. So. Okay, all right. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I wasn't sure how the, the sequence went with there, but uh, I think that's a great move for Houston, you know, because they need bench scoring. And this guy, if he can put up uh, at 10 points a night, 10, 12 points a night, I think that'll be really good for Houston. Yeah, I mean... Uh, and I think... Uh, yeah, yeah, go ahead, bro. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's going to give Houston more depth, I mean, with... Getting Joe Johnson, they also signed Brandon Wright as well. So I mean, Houston, a lot of uh, good players on that team. Uh, they're a team that has a lot of depth, and they're a fully stacked team. So we'll see what happens with them. But uh, getting back to, I mean, the trades. I mean, the one that kind of started all. Uh, another one that 
that was a big one was Blake Griffin getting traded from the Clippers to Detroit. So what was your overall uh, takeaway on that trade? And basically, you think uh, who, who do you think got the better end of that trade? Honestly, to be to be uh, honest here, um, for now, if you if you look at now, I would say the Pistons got the better trade here. You know, because the Pistons needed uh, another star player uh, to, um, uh, to play with Andre Drummond. You know, the Pistons have New Arena. You know, I think um, um, in downtown Detroit. You know, now it gives more of a fan base. People come to the game. So, business-wise, I think yeah, I think uh, the Pistons can uh, win now. In the future, I think um, the Clippers have sort of uh, sort of win in the future because they got uh, they got um, I forget who they got. Uh, Tobias Harris. They got uh, Avery Bradley. Uh, Avery Bradley. I think that. You have good rotational guys who can play now, and these guys are—they're uh, not old either. They're pretty—they're fairly. Um, um, I think what uh, they're probably like late twenties, late twenties, I would guess. I think. Yeah, I think twenty and twenty-nine. You have good rotational players, you know, and I think that's what uh, this move has Jerry West written all all over it, you know. Jerry West is building the team how he wants it to be built. I mean, this trade was from him. He wanted uh, Griffin out because I think he felt like Griffin was not um, a great, um, uh, how would I say, team player for the Clippers. Uh, he was, yeah, he could score, but um, I don't think his defense was that great. I don't think he was a great um, uh, person in the locker room. There's persona. You know, I mean, there's something I read that in the first game back, um, he didn't even shake the hands with, with any of the Clippers after the game, you know. So it's like it sort of shows what kind of person he is. You know, I mean, um, Detroit, this was all financial, bro. And that's what I think when he picked them up. It was all financial. They get more ticket sales. They get more people in the crowd. They have a new arena. You know, they can market him and make money off it. Uh, but I think with the Clippers, this is all Jerry West. Now, I think he's making them younger. He's giving them more assets. And I wouldn't be surprised. I think... Uh, Jerry West is going to go after LeBron in the offseason, too. You know, I, I think he can promise him a lot of things that other teams cannot. You know, and one of the things, this is a sort of off-topic, but uh, I, I thought I'd just mention it, is um, if you look at the owner of the Clippers, he's a, what, multi-billionaire, dude. I mean, this guy can easily offer uh, LeBron some percentage of the Clippers. You know, I mean, he can easily do that. Offering of the Clippers and as a, a learning point, and then now the Clippers have um, a little bit of cap room as well to to play with the offseason. So, be, depending on the, on the free agency, what happens? Um, who knows? I mean, the, uh, the Clippers are in play. Okay, yeah, that's an interesting point to bring up. So, kind of getting back to. Uh, Blake Griffin, I mean, Blake Griffin, the biggest problem, I think, with him was his uh, availability, his durability. I mean, once he's fully healthy, uh, he, as he showed, I mean, he's one of the 10, 15 best players in the league, and he can definitely be that. I mean, but the problem with him, he just gets injured a lot. I mean, injury after injury. I think it's injured and attitude, bro. You know, <laughs> his attitude is bad, you know. I mean, remember the games against, uh, against the Warriors, so like uh, – he threw like a Gatorade on a Warriors fan. This was some some years back. I mean, he he made it seem like it, it sort of slipped out of his hand, but you can easily look at the replay that he he intentionally did it. I think this guy has. Uh, I think he's what do you call? Uh, there's a term called a knucklehead. You know, I think he needs to. Um, I think he has to grow up a bit. You know, I think uh, I read somewhere uh, that he broke up with his. Uh, with his girlfriend or something over some um, some petty argument or something, he dumped her, like, uh, I guess something, uh, there, there's something there, but he dumped her right uh, after 10 days, or uh, I don't know what that was, what I read, but it, it, I don't think he's a class, well, I don't think he's uh, a classy guy. I think he used to be, but I think his attitude is, has sort of skyrocketed his, uh, um, sort, of, um, sort of skyrocketed, what he thinks of himself, and I think that's sort of affecting his play. 
Okay. Well, fair enough. With all that being said, I wish him the best in Detroit. I and really enjoyed watching him for the Clippers, and wish him nothing but the best with Stan Van Gundy and the Pistons. So, uh, with that being said, we'll move on from the East to the Western Conference. Uh, obviously, two teams have set themselves apart, not only in the Western Conference but the entire league: the Rockets and the Warriors. So, what do you see that, that's different uh, this year for the Rockets uh, in comparison to last year? Well, the Rockets this year, bro, they mean they have Chris Paul. You know, I mean, they're playing a lot better. They're stronger, you know. They have more depth. They're stronger. They're playing better. You know, with the signing of Joe Johnson, they picked up someone else, too. Off, uh, yeah, Brandon, out. Brandon I, I Wright. I don't know who that is. Which one? Brandon Wright. Brandon Wright. There you go, Brandon Wright. They picked him up. So I think they have more depth. You know, they definitely can... Um, I think they can. I think they have a great shot to defeat Golden State this year because Golden State is not as strong as it was last year, in my opinion. I think Golden State has. Uh, I mean, they have. Uh, I don't know what's going on with them. You know, they're not as strong as they were last season. And I think they're. I think they're definitely vulnerable. You know, I think that uh, Houston. If Houston plays a uh, lights out, they can definitely beat them. You know, but. Uh, I think, um, I mean, anyway, yeah, with Houston, I think they're, uh, I think they made some good moves this year. You know, I mean, as long as they're healthy, as long as Harden's healthy, as long as Chris Paul is healthy, I think they have a great shot. Yeah, I mean, with Houston, the the big question coming in when they signed or traded for Chris Paul, excuse me, was how can two ball dominant guys uh, like Chris Paul and James Harden kind of coexist? And you see, when they played together, uh, They've been they, the Rockets have played really well. I think there's something like 27 and one or something when Chris Paul, James Harden, and Clint Capella are all in the starting lineup. So, what has kind of uh, worked for James Harden and Chris Paul? What have you seen that has kind of helped them out and kind of uh, helped them to coexist and kind of both average around nine assists a game in the starting lineup? I think it's sacrifice, bro. I think they re- if they realize you know they cannot. Uh they cannot be ball dominant. You know, one has to be. I mean, one has to be, and one has to be the facilitator. And I can take. Um, and I think they're taking turns uh, being in each role. I think that's what's helping them out. You know, and I think that's what's going to make them much better if they realize to sacrifice some of their scoring, some of the ball in their hand. You know, and then um, sort of make it a team team ball. That I think that will help, that will definitely help them. Okay. Definitely. Uh, and basically, yeah, for Houston, I mean, from what I'm seeing, they've always kind of been a really good regular season team. So I think where Chris Paul is going to kind of make that difference is in the playoffs, you know, when the game kind of slows down, half more half-court offense. I think Chris Paul is better at that kind of uh, controlling, facilitating an offense, leading an offense in that half-court playoffs when less fouls are called, half-court game slows down, you got to get make plays, make plays for others. So I think James Harden kind of, uh, for whatever reason, kind of slows down a bit in the playoffs. I mean, maybe not as less fouls. He doesn't go to the free throw line as much. So I think that's where Chris Paul is really going to make a difference, in my opinion, for the Rockets this season. And then the Rockets are better defensively. Uh, Clint Capella is growing up real fast. He's a monster on the glass. Uh, He's getting a little better offensively. He's kind of like becoming somewhat like a DeAndre Jordan. So, uh, and then a lot of good role guys for Houston, Eric Gordon, Ryan Anderson, guys off the bench like P.J. Tucker, Luke Richard, Umba Mute. So, what, do you think Houston ends up number one seed uh, at the end of the season? What do you think? I don't think they end up being number one seed. Actually, actually uh, I take that back. I think they do that. End up being a number one seed at the end of the season. I think um, I think they do because I think with this depth, you know, I think they have a deep lineup. I mean, with the pickups, I think like you know, like you mentioned, uh, um, Harden. I think one of the reasons Harden slows down in the playoffs because he goes so fast during the regular season. I don't think he has enough time to uh, to heal his body in the playoffs, and I think that's where uh, that's when lacking. But now you have Chris Paul who can take over and. Who can be the facilitator, you know, while uh, it doesn't have to be hardened. And um, I think that's, uh, I think that will definitely help them, Houston. But I, I think Golden State this year, I, 
I just don't see them as them being the the super teams, uh, the super teams as they were last year. You know, I think they've they've definitely taken a step back. I mean, they're still dangerous. Don't uh, don't get me wrong. You know, they're definitely a, the, the the most dangerous team in the league. But I think with their defense and with their playing, I think they've just taken a step back for some reason. I I, I think Houston this is Houston's chance to pounce. I think they'll definitely end up getting for the better record by the by the end of the season. Okay, yeah. Golden State, I mean, three straight seasons, they won 65-plus games. Uh, at this point, they're 44-14. and 14. Do they get 65-plus uh, wins again for the fourth straight season? What do you think? No. No, I no. don't think they do. I think if they get, I think they might get 60-61 wins. But I do not see them getting 60. Oh, over past 61, I, I, I do not see that. Okay, yeah. I mean, Golden State, I mean, this is possibly going to be their fourth uh, champ- straight championship run. So, I mean, do you think maybe some of it is kind of like mental? I mean, they kind of just sa- saving their energy for the playoffs and kind of looking at a more of a big picture type tone. And maybe this is kind of physically taking a toll on them, these deep playoff runs for three straight seasons, possibly a fourth this season. I have to say, bro, I mean, I have to say, I don't think they're taking it easy. I think they're playing every game hard. Uh, I don't think that's the case. I think it's just mentally taking a toll on them. You know, when you're the uh, the number one seed, bro, and when you're the number one seed, every team is coming at you night in and every night. You know, every, every time you play, you're the number one seed, every team's going to put their best against you. And you have to play, at, at, and, you have to, and you have to deal with that, you know? And I, and I think that toll is um, is coming towards them. You know, I think them losing. Uh, um, I think they, with depth wise, I don't think they're as deep as they were the last uh, several years. And I think that's also another factor that could be causing this. You know, but I, I think it's definitely. I don't think they're taking it easy. You know, I think they're going hard every single game. But I think it's just that. Uh, it's the wear and tear on the body, I think. I think that they've had these runs for the last uh, several years, winning a championship last year, and, um, and it's just like, uh, I think it's uh, I think it's wear and tear. I think they're, it's, it's hitting them. That's why uh, they're not playing as well as they did last year. Okay. Yeah, fair enough. I kind of think it's a mixture of both, kind of the, the, mentally, uh, the mental toll that it's taken them four straight seasons. Where they kind of uh, are going, going to be going deep into the season, and kind of gives you more of an appreciation for LeBron's kind of what eighth straight season where he's kind of been in this uh, deep playoff runs. So, and then also kind of I kind of see them kind of conserving their energy, kind of that on-off switch. I think they're they'll turn it up when they need to, and they'll definitely be, in my opinion, back in the finals. So. With that being said, I mean, aside from those two teams, I mean, we kind of got San Antonio kind of distancing itself from kind of four to eight. But from three to like nine, I mean, the teams have like 26, 28 losses or are between 24 and 28 losses. So a lot could change there from now and until the end of the regular season. So for San Antonio, which is currently number three right now, what do you see for them? I mean... When do you think Kawhi is going to come back, and how does he ultimately fit uh, for them, and kind of uh, get back into the flow of things moving into the playoffs? Well, I mean, the Spurs right now they need Kawhi. They need it badly, bro. I mean, uh, that's exactly. I think the Spurs are. Um, I mean, they are. Unfortunately, they are. They it's just um, a lack of uh, of high uh, of having uh, Kawhi there, and I think he's. Once he's on the team, it's a whole different team. You know, it's a whole different team. I, I think that uh, once he comes back, um, I think it's going to be the Spurs will be all on a roll again. You know, I mean, I mean they're a scary team. Once Kawhi is there, they're a scary team. I mean, look at last year when, with the injury against uh, when they played the, the Warriors. You know, they were up. Um, they could easily gone up two games. It's just a Kawhi. On that one play, you know, got hurt with his with his uh, with his leg injury uh, with the MCL tear. Well, it was MCL and ACL item, which one it was, but that put him out of the playoffs. You know, and then the Spurs fell. You know, I think he they're definitely a scared team once he comes back. 
You know, because one thing is, um, I always have to say, is that with the Spurs, and it's with, you have, in my opinion, the best coach in the league, Greg Popovich, you know, and with him, anything can happen. You know, anything can happen, and he's just, uh, he, that team knows how to play. Um, I mean, when I say team, they are a team because they play as a team. You know, it's not like, I don't think there's any ego on that team. Like, I need the ball in my hand. I, I want to take this many shots. They play team ball, and I think with, uh, uh, if he comes back healthy, and if he can get back in 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 game shape, I can they can definitely be um, a wild card, especially in the West playoffs. Yeah, I mean it would be really interesting to see them full strength. I mean, in a possible second round matchup against Houston or Golden State, and kind of on a si- side topic, uh, some people kind of refer to Greg Popovich possibly being the best NBA coach ever. What what's your take on that on that kind of opinion well i think yes i think he's he's definitely in consideration there you know because if you look at it bro i mean the spurs the spurs play in san antonio san antonio is a small market one of the most one of these most one of the least uh markets in the league you know if you look at that if you compare them to other teams san antonio is not even the biggest city in texas you know, it's, um, you have Dallas, you have Houston. It's like, um, I don't know if you know, it's probably third or maybe, I don't even know if there's another city. If Austin's bigger than, than San Antonio, which I which I think it is. I think they could be like the fourth biggest city in Texas. You know, I'm. Mean, it's a small market, bro. Well, San Antonio, I mean, I've lived here for the past year and a half. Uh, San Antonio, and considered by, just if you look at by the city, is the seventh yeah. biggest city in the, in the country. But I mean, I don't, it's the seventh biggest city in the country according to kind of just population. But that's just the city. That's not like the metro area. So if you look at metro areas, Dallas and Houston are definitely bigger. I don't think Boston yeah. is bigger, but Boston is a bigger market in terms in terms of the NBA. Boston is a bigger market. I agree there. Well, but because uh, Boston is uh, Boston is what you call uh, a second tier. Uh, market. It's not a first year, you know. I mean, first year would be like L.A., New York. Um, um, yeah, not that I would consider first. You know, but I, I think with the with the Spurs and, and Popovich, dude. I mean, he has won so many titles. You know, with Duncan, all those titles he won. I mean, granted, I think um, Popovich was. I mean, he was the right coach for that team. But you can't. Uh, I mean, Popovich was the right coach, but I think. R.C. Buford, um, GM, put the right players around it. He picked the right players that that uh, that Popovich can can coach up and get the best out of the players. And with that, you know, I mean, so to speak, I think that's what makes him, if not the best, one of the best coaches ever in the league. Okay, fair enough. Uh, so kind of towards the bottom of that uh, Western Conference, I mean. There's kind of like a lot of teams that could get in there. I mean, consideration. Like the Jazz have come on real strong. They've won 11 straight. I mean, the Clippers are their ninth place. Pelicans, Blazers, Nuggets. So I mean, who's who's going to be the odd teams out? Uh, kind of looking on the outside when once the season ends. I mean, who who are those teams that are? I think it's going to the same uh, as the same old guys, bro. You know, as the as the. Uh, as a movie with uh, with Kevin Spacey, so to speak, uh, the, the usual suspects. It's going to be the same old teams out this year. It's going to be uh, Memphis is not going to make it. Uh, Sacramento, you know, I think they're all going to be paying. Um, there's an article that I read. Uh, it was on uh, ESPN or it was on Bleacher Report. I think it's the, the author, but he said uh, in, in the next month or so, you're going to start seeing a tankathon. All these teams are going to start tanking, you know, trying to get um, a better pick in the draft. So, I mean, I think it's going to be the same usual suspects, but I don't think it's going to change. Okay, so as far as those teams at the bottoms, Nuggets, Blazers, Pelicans, Clippers, Jazz, out of those five, uh, who, who, who are the last three that are in between those five? Uh, the last three um, who make it... Into, in the playoffs, right? Or yeah, in the, in in the, the playoffs, playoffs, correct. Uh, in the playoffs, it's going to be definitely the Blazers, dude. I mean, when you, 
with Lillard and uh, McCollum, uh, you you can't count them out. You know, I, I think with the Jazz could be the last team, the eighth seed, uh, because I think with um, I mean you have to get you definitely have to get props to uh, uh, Donovan Mitchell. But I think he's he's definitely winning a rookie of the year at this point. I you think, know, this guy was not even picked. In, well, I think Ben I think Simmons was, Ben Simmons is going to win rookie of the year, but yeah, but I don't think uh, I, I I don't think that's fair because I think if Donovan Mitchell has has transformed this team, I think Ben Simmons is. Uh, um, I don't know. I mean, in my opinion, Ben Simmons has already played in the league. Only get like last year, but he got hurt. But I think it's his. He's his second team, um, his second year in the league, which I don't really consider that his first. You know, I don't think that's uh, that's uh, that's a fair comparison there. But I think Donovan Mitchell. I mean, I'm going based on where they were picked in the draft. And Ben Simmons was picked what number one, I believe. Yeah. Or two. Number in that one. Range, I recall. But Donovan Mitchell was like what the 12th or 13th pick in the draft, maybe 14th. So it's like, uh, I definitely have to give, I mean, people are up to me. Yeah, unfortunately, that's not the case, but if people are up to me, uh, I pick him up for, um, for a rookie of the year. Yeah, I think Ben Simmons is definitely going to get it, in my opinion. I don't see anyone else getting it other than him. So Yeah, it's just... no, no, I, I totally agree. Uh, I don't think it's fair, though, but I, 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 I have to agree with you. Yeah. I mean, yeah, so for... At the bottom there, I mean, with I probably see uh, the three out of those five teams. I I see Denver and Portland definitely getting in, and then those last three spots. I mean, it could be one of any any one of those three teams between New Orleans, the Clippers, or the Jazz. So I wouldn't be surprised to really see I, any one of those three. So we'll see what happens at the end of the season. But kind of those four or five spots I kind of want to talk about because those are teams that kind of added a lot of new pieces uh, going into the season. Minnesota and Oklahoma City. So what do we see for Oklahoma City? They're kind of on the same pace as they were last season, basically with adding Carmelo Anthony and Paul George. So what is I mean, kind of what has worked for them? What has not really worked for them? And they've kind of had up and down, herky jerky type season. So what do you see with Oklahoma City so far? Well, so far, I mean, bro. I mean, I, I look at it this way. You know, what has worked for them is that they're starting to gain some chemistry. Uh, between Westbrook, uh, George, and uh, Carmelo, what's not working for them is they don't have a depth on their team. I mean, when those guys are out and <laughs> the bench, the team starts to falter. You know, and I think that's what's not working for them is they don't have um, good backups. You know, I mean, uh, uh, a good second unit. You know, I think that's not working for them. I mean, they're another team which uh, I have to say is also a very scary team come playoffs. You know, if they can um, figure out a way to uh, to score on the second unit uh, consistently, um, I think they're uh, definitely a team that can be. You know what? They can be. Uh, they can be scary, and they can. They can. Um, they can definitely take out some teams. You know, I, I know they uh, they lost uh, Ferguson, I believe, um, uh, one of their best bench players for the season, uh, but. Uh, I know that hurts. I know. I, I think they're sort of waiting to see what happens with uh, any players that get bought out before the. Uh, I think it's the end of March or something is the end of it when um, when players can get bought out. You know, I I think they're sort of in a wait or see mode. But I mean, yeah, I mean uh, they're definitely a scary uh, scary team. You know, if they hit on on all cylinders, they can definitely beat. Uh, I can see them definitely giving. Houston and Golden State a challenge. Okay, yeah, I mean, definitely for selfish, selfish reasons, I want to see Oklahoma City, Golden State in the conference semifinals just so we have that Durant versus Westbrook uh, storyline. So, But we'll see what happens there. Uh, from the West, I mean, it's pretty much two teams, in my opinion, that are going to be there at the end, Houston and Golden State. Uh, not much... Not really a bold pick there, but uh, I'll go with a safe bet on that one. So with that being said, uh, we kind of looked at both conferences. Uh, now I kind of want to talk about MVP. Uh, what have you seen so far? Uh, who's the front runner, in your opinion, at this point for MVP? Now uh, that's a tough one, bro. I mean, if I have to choose one, hmm, 
have to, uh, I mean, who's in uh, a consideration right now for MVP? Well, you uh, obviously the James Harden, uh, Kevin Durant, Stephen Curry, LeBron, Giannis Antetokounmpo. So those are probably like the five main guys, I would say. Russell Westbrook, you could probably yeah. gonna throw him in there as well. I don't know, bro. I mean, at this point, I really don't see a front runner for it. In, in my honest opinion, I don't think. Uh, I mean, you have what uh, Harden? He's playing a lights out. You have uh, uh, Steph Curry. You have uh, the guys on the Warriors. I mean, uh, I don't know, bro. I mean, you have LeBron, but I think it. I don't really consider them MVP. Um, I mean, in my opinion, an MVP. Um, um, talent right now and I, I I I think it's gonna be up in the air. I think it's just gonna be I think they're gonna eventually decide the MVP based on what happens um, towards the in the second half of the season and in playoffs and then they'll decide who um, I think that's gonna be the major key for who um for who becomes an MVP at that time. But I mean as of right now I really can't name somebody. Okay, yeah I mean yeah it's really tough. I mean you can kind of make a, a case for a, a case of kind of against everyone. I mean, for I mean for Durant, it's I mean he's teammates with Curry. He has he's not playing as good as he was last season. I mean for Curry, it's he missed three weeks of the season. How can he be an MVP consideration for LeBron? It's like Le- Cleveland has gone through so much drama, and they're even if he does, they start playing good. It's only because they made their uh, trade deadline acquisitions for James Harden. The case against him is, well, the Rockets are in first place, but Chris Paul has a lot to do with that. Uh, when Chris Paul plays, they're a much different team. So given everything I've seen at this at this current point, based on how he's played, how he's been durable, i got to go with Harden at this point. He's kind of been shafted in 2015 and, in la- and last season. So at this point, I've got to go with Harden, but... It could change possibly to LeBron, Stephen Curry, Kevin Durant, kind of like you said, depending on what happens in the last 25, 30 games of the season. I just hope it doesn't get to the point, bro, where they just give it to the same usual suspects and because they have to give it to somebody. I think they should really look at um, whose game has improved and who has made their team a lot better. And it shouldn't shouldn't include having so many... so many superstars around them, but I, in my opinion, that's not me really making the team much better because you, you just you have so many good players around you. That's why the team automatically will be better. But so I don't know. I mean, we'll see what happens. But yeah, I think it's going to be the last twenty um, some odd games of the season and in the playoffs that that's going to determine MVP. Okay, we'll see what happens with that. But uh, kind of getting into this week's All Star festivities, which are in Los Angeles. Uh, Let's kind of want to go through oh some of the stuff that's going on on Saturday and kind of get some picks from you. Uh, so for the skills challenge, uh, we have uh, Lou Williams, Joel Embiid, Laurie Markkinen, Al Horford, Buddy Heald, Andre Drummond, Jamal Murray, and Spencer Dinwiddie. So who do you see winning that? You know, I mean, it depends on skill challenge. I, I don't know, dude. I think, honestly, <laughs> uh, I really don't have a clue on that part. You know, I'm, I I don't really follow the skills challenges that well. Um, I would, uh, if I take a wild guess, I would think maybe Spencer Dillwitty. You think was his last name? Yeah, Dill, I think he's uh, he's. I think he's a great player. I think he has a uh, he's a very athletic player. I think in the skills challenge, uh, if he can start, he can make these uh, these dunks or all these different things. I think he has a chance to win. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to go with Jamal Murray in this one. So, I mean, it's kind of surprising to me that they have kind of have big guys in there now, like Embiid, Markinen, Horford, Drummond. So, but I'm going to go with the the point guard, shooting guard, Jamal Murray. And All right. So, for the three-point contest, we got uh, Clay Thompson, Kyle Lowry, Eric Gordon, Paul George, Bradley Beal, Wayne Ellington, Devin Booker, and Tobias Harris. What do you see there? I'm going to go with uh, – I'm going to take uh, – a wild card here, bro. I'm gonna go with a Devin Booker. Okay, not a bad pick. Uh, for this one, I'm gonna go with uh, Eric Gordon. I think uh, he's a really good three point shooter off the bench for the Rockets, and I think 
he's going to put on a show in this three-point contest, and I think he's going to take home the trophy. So uh, with that, that'll take us to the last event of the night and my favorite event of All-Star Weekend, the dunk contest. So we got four exciting young guys in this year's uh, contest. Dennis Smith from the Mavericks, Victor Oladipo from the Pacers, Larry Nance Jr. from the Cavs, and Donovan Mitchell, your rookie of the year from the Utah Jazz. This one, bro, I have to. I'm going to take another wild card here. I'm going to go with Dennis Smith Jr. of the Dallas Mavericks. Okay. This one, uh, I'm going to go with uh, Oladipo from the Pacers, I think. Uh, exciting young shooting guard. Uh, he's really improved this season. I mean, he's definitely probably one of the top candidates for most improved player, and he's he will be in the All-Star game. I have to agree. He will be in the All-Star game. It's like... I'm sorry. You you saying something? You're you're gonna agree with Victor Oladipo? You're gonna pick him as well? No, 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 no. I'm gonna agree with uh, Victor Oladipo being um, um, a different player this season. But last year in OKC, <laughs> where the hell was he? You know, he's like some games he didn't even show up. Yeah, Westbrook took his, he, all his well, shots well, away. No? So. Yeah, so uh, I'm gonna go Oladipo on this one. I think he's gonna put on a show. Create some uh, excitement. So, moving on to Sunday's game, Team LeBron versus Team Steph. Who 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 wins that one, and who do you got for MVP? Chewy, <laughs> honestly, I hate to put it this way, bro, but I I really don't care. I'm not going to even watch the game. <laughs> but I think it's just going to be uh, they're going to not going to play any defense played. There's not going to be anything. It's just all for fun. You know, I think uh, maybe MVP would be, I'll just take a wild card guess here. MVP would be probably, um, 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 would be, what's his face, um, um, on the Pelicans, uh, uh, Anthony Davis. Okay. Yeah, I think uh, I'm going to go with uh, Team uh, Stephen Curry in this one, and I think uh, I think Stephen Curry is kind of due for an all-star MVP. He hasn't won one yet, so I think I'll go with him. His team to win and him to win the MVP in this one. So with that being said, uh, that'll wrap it up for this week's edition of the Z-Ball Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Akshay, thank you so much for coming on. Oh, thank you for having me, bro.